So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Hey, Rebels. Oh, so we're calling them Rebels now, are we? Yeah, we're not sure whether that's true <laughs> or not, so let us know what you think. Um, so, Rebels, thank you very much for keeping us in the top 10 of the iTunes business chart this week. Not sure how that happened. Well, um, I do know how that happened. You, you kept downloading it, which is incredible. Yeah, I've had so much good feedback this week. People have been sharing all over the place. It's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, we all probably know someone who can benefit from these amazing guests and their stories. Um, thank you for sharing. Carry on doing it. Tell your friends. If you think this might bring value to their life, um, we don't ask anything in return. We're not selling you anything. We just want to uh, help a bunch of people. So thank you for helping us help people. So yeah, we have been getting a lot of DMs this week and interacting with all you guys, which has been incredible. Uh, one question that's come up a couple of times is how do we keep on top of content? Um, because obviously we are producing content for all of our businesses. Um, we're producing content for Creative Rebels at Rebels Create on Instagram. And we are producing a podcast every Friday and a blog post every Monday. So there's a lot of kind of stuff that we're doing. And uh, people are asking, like, how do you keep on top of, of a kind of hectic content schedule? I'm going to throw that over to Ad, seeing as he is our content expert. Um, Ad, how do you manage that? I think the key is probably batching. If you get all of the tasks you need to do done in one session. So, for example, if you've got seven photos to post this week, instead of spending 15 minutes a day doing each of those individual photos and then posting them online, you could probably do all of that in one hour at the start of the week. And then you've got all the content ready to go. Then when it comes to the actual day, it's so much less stress than thinking, oh shit, I haven't got 15 minutes to find this time to do this right now. All you've got to do is post. And I think if you can allocate time like that, it will be so much less stressful, so much easier. And yeah, yeah, batching, batching is key. Yeah, that's the best way to relieve stress during the week. I think just doing a post at, like daily is, um, is, is really stressful. Whereas if when you've got seven in your drafts and you can just hit send, it's so much easier. So moving on, uh, this week's guest is Manon Legreve. Manon was a contestant on The Great British Bake Off, which is a TV show over here in the UK. And she did really well on the show. And all of a sudden, she's got this massive audience of people tuning in to see what she's up to. Um, so I think this is a really interesting time in her career. Through this chat, I kind of get the feeling that she's always been preparing for this. Um, but this show now has suddenly kind of um, shot her into the spotlight. We caught up with her the day after she quit her nine to five. So really, really interesting timing for us, given the uh, the kind of focus around the podcast. So that was cool. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what she does next. On this episode, we talk about the Great British Bake Off, turning negatives into positives and taking control of your life. Hi everyone, we are joined today by Manon Lagreve, who most of you will probably know from The Great British Bake Off. 
Yeah, really excited to be talking to you today, Manon. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, my first question is very, very important. Um, did you bring us any cakes? I did. Wait, what? Yeah. There's a cake out there. Is that? You actually brought us cake? I yeah. did. Uh, <laughs> I totally wasn't excited that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Because oh, I was going to be a total dick and just be like, oh, well, you have to leave then. But you actually have, so that's amazing. Whereas that's usually the first question people ask me whenever I go. Oh, <laughs> oh really? So now you're... It. It's not probably how are you anymore. It's just, have you got a cake? Exactly. <laughs> uh, you want me to come somewhere so then I can bake? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so now you're the cake lady. Exactly, yeah. I call myself that. Okay. So um, this is like a really exciting time for you because as we're recording this, you mm -hmm. gave up your job yesterday, right? Yeah, last day. Yesterday was, yeah, last day in the office. After three years and a half, six years as a professional in London. Six and, years uh, as a professional yeah. in London. And so, and obviously this is coming off the back of you being mm -hmm. on Great British Bake Off. Yeah. What um, kind of spurred your decision to, to leave your job? Mm. I think like I wanted to quit three months before that. My director was like, I don't think you're ready. Like I was very stressed at the back of Bake Off because I never stopped working. So I think it was more of a like, you know, tiredness because I had nothing planned after really. Uh, so he was like, stay on, I'm going to move your project and then you can leave when, you know, when it's a good reason for you to live. And so when I told him a month ago that I was going to quit, he was like, I'm so happy. That's the best like resignation I've ever done. So yeah, you go. So it was really nice. Sounds like a super supportive. Oh yeah. No, the company was great. Always. I mean, I still had to work hard in Birmingham because I'm a project manager in software. But they've always, yeah, all the way through, they always supported me. So. And throughout your, your career, you've always said that mentors are really, mm. are really important to 100%. you. 100%. And you've had a, a bunch of mentors throughout. So mm. your, your career being like in software. Yeah. And you just kind of fell into software. Exactly. Yeah. I think, so I came here as an au pair seven years ago, just to learn English. And yeah. And then I just loved London, came back. Someone gave me a job. Uh, my English wasn't that great. I was temping, doing like database work. And then they employed me. So I stayed there for three years, you know, like conference company. So it was super fun. And just they installed this new software and I really got into it. And I got recruited by my new company. And yeah, I don't know, people just gave me the chance and that's what I love in London. I don't think it would be the same in France. And also considering the language, like my English was not great, but they still, yeah, I just learned and they allowed me to learn. <laughs> and so you kind of threw yourself into software. Mm -hmm. I, I get the feeling from, from kind of researching you that you always knew that software wasn't going to be your forever job. No. Um, but whilst you were doing it, you were kind of working really hard at it. Yeah, I think like what I loved about what I did was obviously you work with great people. And as a woman as well in the industry, I've had amazing mentors, like men or women. And to me, you know, I was like, Manon Lagreve, 25 years old, gonna tell you, 50 years old IT director, what we're gonna do today. But it was always like, I don't know, like so empowering. And the response was always like really nice and people really wanted to support me. And that's what I love about the software, um, how do you say, industry. industry. But I knew that I've always wanted my own business anyway. Like my parents have the, you know, the egg farm and literally all my, when I think about it, all my family, we all have a business. Everyone wants a business, whether it's in food or in clothes or a vineyard or, you know. So I knew I've always wanted to have like my own coffee shop. And I guess it's still here. 
but I'm just going to start maybe working towards it a bit quicker and do well work stream around the line in my business so yeah <laughs> so you grew up on an egg farm yeah <laughs> so surrounded by chickens yeah exactly so surrounded by eggs there's always eggs at home there's always flour so I guess so cakes. food and baking has always been yeah. there for you so my uncle has a milk farm my uh, other uncle has a restaurant the other one has a butcher the other one has a vineyard so we literally we sort it for like food yeah <laughs> <laughs> Everyone brings their own ingredients. Exactly. No, we do swaps, you know, like milk against eggs and then wine. And, um, so, yeah. How do you do that? Is that kind of like a, a weighing kind of thing? Like, oh, we'll give you this much thing. This much thing. <laughs> I don't know. It? it just sort of is like, so dad, whenever we go to family, he's going to bring like egg. We call it a kiss. I don't know. I don't know how you say in, in English. Just lots of eggs. Yeah. And then my uncle will take lots of milk. So like a bottle of milk. Um, and then the other one will take bottles of wine and we'll just swap around. And Sounds great. <laughs> it's good. So was there a specific family member that got you into cooking? I would say like definitely mum, because also my family would love uh, receiving people. So Friday, Saturdays, there's always someone at home. And, you know, it's funny, it's, you always have, like my dad, he's kind of the maitre d', so he does the wine and he directs the kids. And then you have <laughs> mum, so she makes the food and you have us, we make all these little things that we can do to help mum around. So it was always this kind of every Friday, Saturday, always baking, cooking, and yeah, we just, and then I realized that, oh, actually I could make it myself. So not waiting for mom to cook something. Um, and also again, mom and dad were super busy with the farm. So very early on, we started to make lunch for them, dinner. And yeah, it was just fell off into it, I think. So it wasn't until you got to London that you kind of saw the cakes that were being made here that kind of inspired you Yeah. a bit more. Yeah, definitely like, you know, I think I probably took five kilos on the way, but <laughs> I literally, I fell in love with like cupcakes, you know, colorful, like tears cakes, the things that we, well, at the time, seven years ago, we didn't have in France. Um, and as an au pair, my host mom, that I'm still really close friend with, uh, she, you know, she liked to bake as well. And she had all of these like funky little like glitters and I was like, oh my God, so exciting. Um, so yeah, I just started to bake, bought a Hummingbird Bakery book. That was my first like baking book. And yeah, and started from there, I think. Who were your kind of first inspirations in the kind of cake world? Um, like the cake as in English kind of tradition. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd definitely be Hummingbird Bakery. Mm. I don't know why, like, I remember I was in Notting Hill I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have a cupcakes. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I think they were the first ones that I remember being like, really making cupcakes a yeah. bit of a thing. And like mm -hmm. being like, actually, that's insane. That's not yeah. like when I made one as a kid. That's I know, yeah. Delicious. Yeah. To be fair, like, I think so far, like, they're always my favourite, even still now. So you're, you're working in software and baking is like more of a hobby for you. So how did the Bake Off thing come about? Did you apply or did someone reach out to you or... So you, you just applied? Yes. So I applied also like two years ago. It's basically is like a long form. There's about like 20 questions about, they ask about you and da da da. But like two years ago, I think I applied like the last day. And you know, I feel like when you're not, when you know it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. So I wasn't ready anyway. And then last year, so I had like a breakup from my ex. That I So basically my life kind of changed from being very settled, very, I know where I'm going to like, okay, now I don't have to start but I kind of felt like I had to start again and look after me and I did two things so I applied for Bake Off and I applied for a Canadian visa 
it was like, okay, two things I wanted to do next year. Um, so it turns out both of them happened because I do have a Canadian visa and I went on Bake Off. Was there ever a moment where you had to pick between the two? Yeah, I think like, because obviously Bake Off, so it takes, so I applied in December and then you go through, there's about like five or six steps. I have to keep a secret because I can't tell you everything about it. Okay. Yeah. I can tell you like the few steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and also it's more fun for people that go through it as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to know what happens after, but. But then, yeah, because my head was still set on Canada, because you don't know until, I knew 3rd of March, I was in Italy with my parents that I was going to be on Bake Off. But from December to March, it's still quite a long time. And at the same time, I received also my letter for Canada. So it was kind of like, but obviously Bake Off was always going to be primary. So. so did you say that that followed a breakup? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's mad how um, breakups can like really bring around a change in I your know. life. And I think like, I know I've learned so much from this. So I was three years and a half, I think, with this guy. And when I fell into a relationship, I very much like, this is a relationship. It's not me anymore. And I think I know I'm never going to do that again because... You know, you kind of like lose yourself from doing what the other person wants to, but not having your own voice. And I think being single for like a long, because since I'm 19, I'm in a relationship with, yeah. Um, so I think it was, I, could, I wouldn't have done it if I was still with him. Mm-hmm. And it's, and also I progressed in my career. I went to Bake Off, I did things for me. And I know I would never forget this when I get to a next relationship, you know. So what would your advice to be for anyone who is in a relationship mm. who maybe isn't quite following what they want to do? Like, I would tell myself, you know, if it was like two years ago, I'd be just, are you really sure you want to do this? Like, okay, he wants to do this, do it with him, but then compromise. What do you, you really want to do? Mm. And you're going to do it? And I think... When you're not, I don't know, I think I'm a nice person, I love people, I love, but I know I get very easy manipulated, I think. You know, so you kind of, the other person makes you feel like it's your decision, but it's not your decision. So just be very set or like write things down and then you can compromise and be like, okay, you want to do this, I want to do this. How do we make it work? Mm -hmm. You know, it's about balance. And I'm definitely next time literally like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I want to do this, you want to do this, let's just, you know, do it together. Yeah, it's it's such a difficult thing to to balance. Like, because mm. if you're single, you you only have yourself to look after, and and you look at the decision, and you go, will this affect me? Because you don't have to worry about the other party. Exactly. Um, but obviously, big life decisions. If you are with someone, mm-hmm. like that, affects your partner. Yeah. I always say that that sort of relationships are problem solving, because I think that you are born and raised Mm -hmm. and you bring everything from your childhood and everything that makes you the person that you are Mm -hmm. and then to like cohabit with someone else that has a completely different set of values and upbringing and everything it's just problem solving because you're Mm -hmm. going to see the world in different ways and you just have to work out between Mm -hmm. you of like which ways you're going to go and what's going to work for both of you yeah and it's that balance of give and take and but if you do feel like you are being oppressed and that that mm. you can't make these decisions or yeah. or even if you just when you just get into that like comfortable stage mm-hmm. of yeah 
like that's a that's a killer as well yeah. i think when you're just that's yeah. dangerous that comfort exactly i think and even if i remember i was like oh work is fine i'm in this you know business analyst position i'm okay you know like we live in this very nice flat i was running my blog at the time doing my little things and i never you know i was like okay it's fine and then obviously this happened and i was like okay now I'm, I need to work on my career. So then literally two months after I was a project manager and you know, you just kind of like, yes, come on girl, you can do it. That's great, yeah. I, I think that seeing those results as soon as you started investing in yourself, they were kind of instant results. Yeah, yeah. Obviously I think our generation now, it's very much about now and about me. Mm. You know, we are a bit more of a selfish, I think, generation. And I, and when I look at my parents or my grandparents, like they've been married for 30 years. My grandparents were married for 60 years. Um, and you know what? They always worked as a team. And I feel like it's very hard for our generation to be, you know, okay, I'm going to invest in us, in the relationship. It's Yes, it all, it's all about me, but it's also all about us. And I feel like in my old relationship to me, it was a lot about us, less about me, but for him, it was too much about him and not enough about us. So I think you have also to find this, you know, balance of relationship are difficult. I mean, if it was easy, we all, you know, be happily married, <laughs> we all knew about it. So, you know, it's about being realistic and my parents made it work and, you know, they're, they're still very happy now. And maybe they could have found someone else, but they, you know, they fell in love, they decided to be together and they had us and a difficult business, but, you know, say happy still happy so, yeah i think in a city like london as well there's there's so much choice of everything and that includes partners mm. it's like we're meeting new people every day I know. and i know like i'm not um i've never i've never been on tinder i literally i can't understand my brain doesn't work like when you meet so many people it's just to me it's too much how can you focus on one person and give this person an actual chance it's mad. It's all about, you know, consumption. We want things, but partners is the same. We want the best of the best. But like, how do you know? Is it, we're not, per no one's perfect. You know, like if you want a bit of him and a bit of him, well, no, <laughs> it doesn't work like this. It's not customizable like most of things now. <laughs> yeah, and it's so, it's so throwaway as well. Just the, the swipe and then you're on to the next thing. And I think yeah. people treat other humans in that same way. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and ghosting and everything. No, I'm very honest, so I say things. And I, I'm very much like, I have, maybe that's a French way, or maybe that's, I feel like it worked like this when I was 17, <laughs> so maybe I never changed. You know, I get with someone, he's my boyfriend for three weeks a month, and then we break up, but you know, he's not, <laughs> you know, like, is it gonna work? Okay, you know, we know we in a relationship, but it doesn't work, so. Yeah. Give it a good try. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously then you went through Bake Off and stuff like that. Did mm. they give you any sort of like training of how the outside world was going to... No, they didn't. Ah, uh, so, I mean, we had like this amazing press team that, you know, through Bake Off, they... So yes, yeah, so they look after the press. So if there's anything bad coming out, you know, they would try to repress it because mm. the amazing thing about Bake Off is it's just all about the bakers. Who cares about your personal life? It's all yeah. about... It's no public vote kind exactly. of Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, um, The Voice or something like this. They don't look for dirt or anything. Mm. It's just about you. I think they, you know, they were like, you know, you're gonna hop... They gave us a list of like agent if we want to go through a literary agent and stuff. But I think now with social media, you don't really know 
what the impact's gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I think compared, even compared to last year, like it's crazy how much, obviously the followings that we get from just the show, which is never had before. So I think that the thing that they're very old, not old school, but is they look at the press and the TV, but not really much about social media, mm-hmm. not yet. And I think that's probably going to have to change. Have you dealt with this kind of social media change? Because I think like when we first talked on Instagram, you had pretty like 3000 followers. Yeah. And then now what are you up to now? Like 80,000, I think. Yeah. Um, like so Instagram is, I, I like Instagram. I think it's a nice platform and you know, you share what you want to share, but I also try to make it like as real as it is. Like I'm not really, I can't, I can't lie. And I don't really like to fake things. I mean, obviously you know how it works. And also because we know how it works. I mean, you guys are the same, like, you know, it's a vitrine of your life. So like, you know what to expect kind of thing. And I try to do the same for my followers, but Twitter, I remember second episode, you know, the like acetate gate, man or cheated. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I was on Twitter at the same time I was I watching. I don't know about this. I don't watch Bake Off. So okay. you got accused of cheating. Did yeah. you cheat? No. But like, how can you cheat on a baking competition? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> You're the cheat. So also one of the things that maybe people don't realise is we never get to see the show before it airs. So we're discovering it at the same time as you do. And obviously we filmed that three months ago. We were 12 hours a day filming. So you have no idea what's going to be on the show, what's not going to be on the show. And um, so it was cake week and it was 35 degrees in that tent, like not lying. And chocolate melts at 28 degrees. So it was <laughs> difficult. Usually I, f- I remember, so I had to do a tears cake and put a chocolate circle around the cake, right? And to do that, you use chocolate and you use acetate, which is like a plastic thing. So you pour the chocolate on your acetate. Usually it sets in like 10 seconds. It was not setting because it was melting as hell. But I was like, you know what? I've got 10 minutes left. F it. You're just going to have to do it. So I put the thing around my cake and obviously it's warm. It doesn't stick. So I can't take the acetate off. So I'm, I decided to leave the acetate on. And when it comes to judging, there's about three hours between when we finish and the judging. Whoa. But that, people don't know that. No. People feel like, oh, yeah, I've just finished the cake. Guys, how do you think they clean the tent? Because it's hell when we just finish. They needed to reassemble everything. Then, yeah, and you need to do interviews. So it's about three hours. So obviously, three hours, my cake was in the fridge. <laughs> Sorry, I'm giving you all the details. My chocolate, was, my cake was in the fridge. It's all set and comes judging and Paul Hollywood realized that there's still acetate plastic on my cake. And essentially my decision was like, if I don't leave the acetate on, they're not gonna see that it looks like a castle. So I just left it on and he took it off and he said, oh, that's a beautifully tempered chocolate. Of course it's been three hours in the fridge, now it's there, Mm. but at the time it wasn't. And so yes, the people said that I cheated because I left it on. I'm like, well, no, I was judge on the acetate being on. And my, in my head, I was like, I just, it just has, I just have to leave it on. And yeah, so okay. that's apparently how you cheat. So, <laughs> and so you got, there was backlash on Twitter from Yeah, that. exactly. And I was watching it and it was already hard because I knew it was a hard episode for me. And uh, people were like, oh my God, Manon just cheated, hashtag uh, acetate gate. I was like, what? <laughs> But like people get so involved into this, it's mad. Like when I think about it, I'm passionate about things, but I never sat down watching a TV, tweeting, 
like see sometimes like like I don't use Twitter but if there's a show that I think could be quite amusing to watch on Twitter I'll get Twitter up and just refresh and see what the feeds are mm. because some people's comments are just hilarious I know I mean like it's I mean most of it was funny but you still get a lot of anger on Twitter I think See, this is why I was asking you whether whether they gave you any sort of training or preparation for this, because it's like, I, I feel that's kind of irresponsible to expect you guys to all of a sudden have this huge, massive audience mm. that's interested in what you're doing, that has this platform with no boundaries where they can just say whatever they want. Yeah. If it was my show, mm. I'd be teaching you how to deal with yeah. that and how to mm. internalise that and or like, not internalise that. So... So they, I, actually, they do have a social media team, but just for their bake-off thing. Like they did tell us that people were going to come to your house and going to try to take photos just after we've announced. Actually, there's a guy from the Sun that came to my parents' house in France. And usually my mom texts me, she's like, oh yeah, we have this guy from the Sun. He wants to write an article about you. I was like, the Sun's the ones that said I cheated on the front page of the Sun? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was like, call me now. So literally I spoke to the guy and I was like, no, like, can you please get away from my house? And then he's like, oh, can I take pictures? I'm like, no, you can't, like, go away. But yeah, I agree. I think I was not expecting this or even, you know, seeing my face on some, like, Daily Mail or, you know, they take everything. Like, I had to delete my blog the day before because I was like, I know they're going to take any stories out of this. Mm-hmm. But they still managed to find... It It was online for, like, five hours. They still managed to find it, still managed to run an article on it. And... But I've learned very early that... After the second episode, I decided I'm not going to be on Twitter when I'm watching the show. My best friends start looking after my Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like people like you can't please everyone. You know, people said I was like condescending. Or I was like, I'm like, guys, like, no, this is just me. Like how you don't know me. And, and that's the thing, like, you don't know me. My friends, my family, they know me, they know who I am. And that's the people that matter. Like haters on Internet. Pff. Well, yeah. you know. I usually think they're so unhappy that they have to bring down other people and because they can't do it in real life, they just do it online. But it's just sad. I just find it sad. So the episodes, when you'd watch them back, like how heavily edited are they? Were there bits that you were like, oh, it didn't really happen that way? I think like, I would say 90% is not edited. Like it's really good. Like they... I mean, the team is amazing. Like the love production team, you know, we always have like story producers that I still see all the time. And um, so yeah, like, no, 90% is, yeah, definitely what happened. I mean, you don't see anything. You see like 1% of what actually happens, but they try to, so obviously there's loads of missing things. Um, but no, it's, yeah, it's pretty accurate. That's good. <laughs> so um, now obviously you do, have this massive audience like mm-hmm. coming off the back of the show so like what's your what's your plan now you left your job yesterday mm-hmm. what's man on industries like what's <laughs> going forward so for, literally that's what everyone is asking me and uh, so i'm working with my agent which is amazing and essentially so we you know we're still working on creating some more content for my blog for my instagram and also we have started to film some youtube videos um, so that's probably going to be coming in February. And then there's a few things that I'm still in talks with Love Production about, which is very exciting. Um, so, yeah, I can't really tell you that much, but because there's still obviously dependencies and I'm not sure, but I've definitely, you know, what I want to do is just share my passion 
and I think even maybe do classes or do videos or um, just yeah just share my passion for cooking and baking so I'm also going to start doing a bit more cooking as well I think YouTube is a really really good platform for you yeah. and like I know it's hard because it's very saturated there's a lot uh, but it's kind of like finding you know what is my niche and what my audience wants to see YouTube if you can bring something unique to it that's not there already yeah like people say YouTube's dead and you can't grow on it anymore but there's people I've watched who've grown from zero to two and a half yeah, million said. followers in in a year yeah and yeah. that's just because they had good unique content mm-hmm. and like they're providing value to people and yeah. I feel like that's exactly what you're mm-hmm. to do you'll you'll be a great presenter and I think that will just tie together really well and I think yeah. I think that's a really good route for you thank you yeah well I'm very excited yeah so. I think there's that quote that um, Matt Devella says that um, be so good that you're not dependent on an algorithm I've probably mm. butchered the quote but that's the essence of it is like mm. don't worry about algorithms yeah. just make the content yeah. and if it's good mm-hmm. then it will win through yeah mm. and I think that's why I'm also passionate about like delivering good content I think you know I believe in like you know good quality videos good quality pictures and nice writing because that's what I enjoy that's what I like so hopefully with my videos people are going to see that as well and I want to make it fun and you know enjoyable to watch and and helping people what's the premise of your show so it's definitely going to be so me cooking and baking and it's all about you know like my mom, she had three kids. She cooked for us, start her main dessert every single day. So like, you know, she worked 50 hours a week and she still made it work. So, mm-hmm. and I know we all have busy life and you know, you guys, you're super busy. I'm super busy, but I still try to, you know, go back to my kitchen at night and cook something. Um, so that's why I want to bring back like how French food can be easy. It's not the fanciest, like people think that it's fancy. French food is not fancy. Like there's so many really good things, quick things that you can do. So yeah, bringing back my French memories, food and mixing it with what I've learned in London and the different cultures I've, I've come across here. Is, is cooking like a, like a meditation for you? Mm, I think like there's nothing more that I love about going home. I just went to the shop I put the podcast on, <laughs> all French radio on, and I just start cooking. And I'm in my own little world. Mm, your happy place. Exactly, yeah. And I think this is, you know, we always we always want to achieve. I think that's, again, kind of a generation thing. And to me, bake, cooking or baking something is an achievement. Like I've done something for my own, own hands. Mm. So that's what I love about yeah. it. I, I think, like, years ago, um, sort of when you were growing up, like if you had a real passion for baking, then there was really one career option, which mm-hmm. was go and open a bakery. Yeah. Um, but now obviously you're seeing how many different avenues mm-hmm. there are in this mad world yeah. that we're living in. No, it's true. Like, so my cousin, he's actually a baker. So he used to have a bakery in Paris and now he's in South of France. Like he's amazing. Um, but he works so hard. Like bakery is, you know, like 3 a.m. to... 1 p.m. and it's all day every day like and also I've worked in a bakery when I was young and obviously my mom and dad they work with a lot of bakeries and you know this didn't really you know attract me because you know I always my parents yes it did work really hard but they always try to spend some time to spend some time with us and be happy and and also again I think to me yes it's great to work and earn lots of money or whatever but I want to be happy and 
that's why I don't want to be in a bakery all day. I don't want to be in my kitchen baking all day. I want to be baking and then share it with someone or bake for someone that I love. And yeah, that's what I enjoy the most. I don't want to do just baking, I want to share. Mm. And I think online and do videos and it's so much more fun. Like, I just like it much more. Yeah. But yeah, bringing it to the world. Mm, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in YouTube, so I've created already a channel, but there's nothing on there yet. I mean, now this one, because I did um, a video with DEC. I'm not sure if you know the charity. So it's, um, so DEC, so it's called Disaster Emergency Committee. And it's amazing. What they do is they bring like 14 charities. So you have like Oxfam, Age UK together when there's a big emergency in the world. Uh, so this appeal was for the Indonesian tsunami. Okay, yeah. And so basically we did uh, a video of me making klepon and encourage people to organize, ch- um, you know, charity bakes uh, to raise money for, for the tsunami. So oh, that was nice. Lovely. I know. I love these guys. They're so good. And also, if I can, and also, yeah, when you ask me what I can do with my exposure, is obviously helping more people whenever mm. I can. So that's also I've got two charities, so DC and Cancer Research. I'm doing the half marathon in March. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that goes well. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. So your blog that you deleted, mm-hmm. um, what, were you just blogging about food? Yes, it was mo- well food and lifestyle. Um, yeah, just a lot of recipes and about me. It was very um, personal, I think. And I shared a lot about me and my ex-boyfriend. So that's why I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to share that online <laughs> anymore. Um, but I think that's quite, and also I we did, um, I used a different platform. So now I'm using WordPress, which I think is amazing, that much better. And also like, if anyone wants to start a blog, I just bought a template put it on WordPress and then you just start blogging. Like online, there's so many cool things. I mean, yes, I work in IT, but I'm not like a dev, you know, I'm not a developer. Um, so you can do, you can learn yourself. And that's what I love about this. You can, you know, what YouTube, you you look, watch videos and you learn about it. WordPress, you do the same, like, um, and it's, yeah, it's quite rewarding to be able to do it on your own and anyone can do it. You just have to have the time. And how, how long have you had your blog before? Like, how many years do you reckon you'd be kind of been doing that for before you... Before I applied on Bake Off, you think? Yeah. I think it was about, like, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I know I stopped for four months just after my breakup. You know, it's kind of these things, like... And that's where sometimes when you share so much online, when something bad happened to you, it's quite hard. When I'm not happy, I don't want to write anything. Mm-hmm. You know, because my blog is all about also sharing positivity. I'm mostly a positive person. But I mean, we always have bad days. We always have bad moments. And I think as long as you know that it's not the right time for you to write something today, then just don't do it. Mm. Or don't fake it. I can't fake it, you know. What do you do to kind of get out of a bad, like if you're in a bad mood? Because I I don't know you as like a happy person. (laughs) Yeah. What's what's your kind of process of getting out of a bad mood? Um, It's funny because... You know, a lot of my friends know me as Manon, she's always happy. And But when I'm sad, I'm very sad. So I cry a lot. And I th- what I do is I speak to people. Um, I try to tell myself, like, do not compare yourself to other people. And just I just think about, it's so cliche, sorry, but about the things I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm 27 from a few days ago. I live in London. I'm living 
you know, I have an amazing life, I have an amazing family, amazing friends. And you know, these little things like just, come on, just, you know, who cares about silly thing like how many freaking likes you have on this picture? It doesn't matter. Like, you know, there's so many more things that I will than stupid things. Yeah, I think gratitude was something that I cottoned on to like quite late on. And it was only through just reading about how many successful people have mm-hmm. a gratitude practice that I was like, well, because I kind of was like, uh, I think that sounds a bit woo woo. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, I but- didn't. So it wasn't something that I was um, keen to have a go mm-hmm. at. Um, and it wasn't until like hearing it from so many different like successful people that I finally thought, okay, well, let's give it a go. Mm. And it's amazing how if you can just reframe yeah. things as being positive and, and just being grateful for things, like what an effect it can have on your life. It's huge. I know. I know. I think it's like we focus so much on negativity, I think, because mm. but it's human. Like I was, you were asking me about Twitter. Obviously, I focus on the negative comment. But what about the 90% that were positive? Yeah. So, you know, that's what I was trying to do. That's why I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to focus on the negative, so I'm going to forget about Twitter for a little bit. You know, it's kind of like, what do you find, what, what works for you, and how you get away, and how you refocus on the positive? Yeah, I was reading about um, Time magazine in the, I think it's 50s and 60s, they realised that if they put on a negative headline, then their sales were like double. Wow. And so... From then on, that was kind of when the, this like negative news world that we yeah. live in now mm-hmm. was was kind of born yeah. because because we buy it and if we didn't buy it then everything would be positive. If we only bought positive messages, then mm. every headline that we read would yeah. be positive because they want to sell newspapers. Mm. The reason behind that is just the human brain. We're we're attracted to the negative so mm. that we know how to keep ourselves safe. Yeah, so that's the function of our brain is to keep us alive. So. That's why we focus on the negative, but like we don't live in caveman times anymore. So we need to update our our thinking and like try and get away from that, even though our brain is always pulling us back Mm. to dwell on those negative things. But I mean, if you're you're just focusing on the negative, nothing good can happen. Exactly, I know. And I think from like knowing you guys, you Adam, or one of my really good friend, Marin, you know, we're young, we, try to make it work it's hard because you work for yourself and I'm scared <laughs> but um, yeah if you don't do it and if you don't try to be positive about things then nothing is going to happen like mm-hmm. so yeah we always say it's French people they're very like they complain about everything <laughs> but I think my, most English people complain about yeah. everything well. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know I think maybe luckily my parents because they had to work so hard and I mean just like loads of people but it, you know we grew up into like you know what, like, we just we just have to make it work. And yes, we're going to work harder, but they've always brought this positivity, I think, to the family. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I'm, they never really complain. Like, even my grandpa, I think I've never heard him complain. Never. So, yeah, I try yeah. not to complain. Or sometimes when I complain, I'm like, stop it. <laughs> stop. <laughs> and so was there ever any point where you thought kind of that you wouldn't go on? Yeah, so I think... Uh, I told you last year was quite a challenging year and I just had a promotion and I was starting to like train for Bake Off and literally it was you were training so you were like practicing yeah. baking so you're practicing so you get um, you get the how do you say it's a brief in mm-hmm. and you have to start practicing and then you have to do like four recipes in like a week and then they send you two more and then like so it's mad and literally I looked at my biscuit selfie, which is the first try I did, and I was like, 
just start by crying at the end, didn't you? Yeah, I just go, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like, I woke up in the, I was so anxious, I couldn't sleep. I woke up in, in the morning and I just called my mum and I it's was... It's a biscuit selfie, you, you make a biscuit and then take a photo of it. No, no, the biscuit needs to be a selfie of you. Oh, wow. So it looks like a selfie of yeah. you. Oh, no way, that's like 40 hilarious. 40 centimetres by 40 centimetres. And yeah, like, I woke up and I was like, I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I got to a point where I was in between, I just finished a project and then I was starting the new project. And it was a big, I had a team of eight people. It was in Birmingham, like big client. And then I called mom and I was like, I don't think I'm going to do it. And, um, <laughs> okay. Sorry, I was just showing David the picture of the oh, yes. selfie. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Wait, is that the good one? Oh yes, that's yeah, a good, good one. one, God. Maybe I'm saying you the bad one. <laughs> but, but like, and then I called mom and dad and they were like, you know what, whatever you do, we'll support you. So they were kind of like, do it. And then literally I called every single of my friends crying. And because I told you before, I'm a happy person. If I cry, I'm really bad. Like I was like, and I realized that I didn't have to send them a picture because I was so ashamed of what I've just done. So I went for lunch at a restaurant with my friend Hannah and she went through the brief again. And she was like, you don't have to just like breathe. And then she said, and also I got so anxious because I was on my own all week mm -hmm. in my kitchen practicing. And that's the worst. Like, and she said, tomorrow I'm going to come to your flat. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to work and you're going to bake. And yeah, she saved me. So I was like, you know what? If I'm, I'm going to go there, if I do one episode, at least I've done it. Mm -hmm. And so, so you, you were just kind of thinking, I'm not good enough for the show. I'm not a good baker. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, usually when you get into a competition, you, competition, you know what the competition is going to be like, but you have just no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and in my head, I was like, maybe they choose me just because, you know, I'm French and maybe apparently I know how to bake. But no, maybe, you know, they've done a mistake. Like, just, I just can't do it. And even even when going there, I was like, okay, you know, I did. That's why I think at the beginning, I was always so surprised from the comments because again, to me, baking has always been, it's a thing that you do. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh my God, you're amazing. It's kind of like, oh, sounds delicious, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, and then I got Star Baker as the first episode. I think that's why I cried so much. And that's why when I called my dad, because he knew how much, how hard it was for me and how bad they've seen me. That's why I heard my dad starting to cry. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> so yeah, and each episode I always called them and yeah, they were amazing. Now you know the other people from Bake Off. Do you know if they kind of all had the same kind of experience going into it? Like, did any of them feel nervous beforehand? Oh, I think we all kind of felt the same. Like, you don't know how good other people are going to be and you don't really know where you're going to. Is that, like, you don't really know where you're going to. You know, that's why like... I'm very good in adversity, like put me in a situation, I'm going to find a solution. I'm a problem solver. Mm -hmm. But I think some people, it's a bit more challenging, a different type of environment. And it's a tent, it's hot, there's loads of people. And like I was, I got used to being taking pictures of, like because my best friend, she's a professional photographer. And um, so the camera didn't bother me. Like the people, I love having people around and I don't mind cameras. But for some people, it was very challenging. Mm. Uh, you know, you always have someone interacting with you and someone videoing you and having a camera in your face. Um, so that's, 
you know, adding like difficulties of baking. <laughs> Amazing. And um, so where can people find you online? Um, so I have my blog, so it's called Manon's Little Kitchen, but the address is manonlagreve.com. And you can find me on my Instagram. It's Manon Lagreve as well. Amazing. Thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you so, so much, much, guys. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.